This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello and afternoon, everyone. Welcome to episode 42 of the Laravel News Podcast. We have a very special podcast for you today. Uh, we wanted to have some special guests on to talk about upcoming Laracon. Michael, who are our guests today? Today, we have with us the one and only Taylor Otwell. We have Matt <sighs> Stauffer. We have Jeffrey Way. And last but not least... Adam Wathen. Yeah, so we actually recorded this a little bit separately, so we're going to cut it in after this. But we talked about some really fun stuff. Uh, talked about uh, basically what the event's going to look like this year, a little bit of the venue, um, uh, and then we talked with these guys about what they're going to be talking about this year on the website. You may notice that they have the listing of speakers and the schedule up there, but they do not have what they're going to be talking about. So we got a brief overview of each one of the talks uh, from uh, the gentleman on the show, and it was a lot of good fun. So. Here it is. Really hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Well, thanks everybody for coming on this morning or this afternoon, I suppose. Uh, it's going to be a crazy show trying to figure out how to get everybody in, but uh, hopefully it will go well. And um, thanks for just taking a little bit of time out of your afternoon. Taylor, um, uh, Michael had informed me that you might, are you on under time constraint at all? Like, do you have some other stuff going uh... on? We can... I don't know. My kid's downstairs unsupervised. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, right. He's, he's playing the Let's hope the sirens are coming from yeah, Michael. The, the, uh, the sirens are a big part of Chicago, by from what we've heard. <laughs> so, Taylor, we'll start with you so we can kind of, if you do need to tend to your child, then that'll be fine. Quick story. This is a absolute terrible dad move today. So, I've been working on painting some rooms, and I took the outlet covers off of the outlets, and the kids during their nap had not stayed in their rooms and so one of my kids screams and I'm like what in the world to so go over there and she had put her finger in like so she was trying to oh, flip the light on and stuck her finger in there uh, uh -oh. so uh she she and did she scream because she got hurt or is, is the it, scream totally separate I, she was scared i think she was just terrified and she couldn't tell me what happened except okay. for that she had you know she was pointing at the light thing and there was no cover on it so i'm like uh oh, that's yeah that's terrible so I, they're all back on now oh man, that's scary though yeah. so uh anyway yeah taylor if you hear screams just let us know and we'll let you go okay cool yeah well um taylor just wanted the first thanks for putting uh Laracon together again this year i know it's a crazy ton of work have you had like anybody helping you with this Do you have like a, a team that uh you've employed to help you with this or has muhammad been doing anything or you got abigail working on the side doing stuff for you or uh i would say this year's definitely the year where I've put the most work into it myself. Um, so I'm trying to think of people that are helping. I think, you know, my, de the designer that works with me part-time, Steve has been designing a lot of the artwork. So he's been helping in that way. Um, and then Jessica who helped with the first couple of Laracons has helped me with badges. But other than that, it's, it's kind of been me, uh, working with sponsors and speaker dinner and caterers and, speakers themselves and the venue and all that so this has definitely been kind of the busiest year for me personally so hopefully it goes okay i think all the ducks are in a row now and everything's pretty much ready to go so hopefully we have a good event and everyone has a good time yeah absolutely this is the second time in new york city um i'm sure kind of last year was was maybe a little less stressful than other events have been in other years just because it was kind of a repeat city repeat venue 
So it's in New York again this year. It's at a different venue. Could you tell us a little bit about the venue? I Is it in Times Square or right near there? It's really close to Times Square. It's just a few blocks away. Definitely walking distance. Um, it's a pretty cool venue. It actually, the venue itself, the main body of it is actually underground. So you, you enter the building at street level and it's got a nice little park actually up above it with a Starbucks and some sitting area and stuff like that. And then you actually walk downstairs almost immediately when you go into the venue to the kind of registration check-in area and all the theaters are downstairs. So there'll be one theater that's, I think it's a 300 person theater that will be where the science fair is going to be, which is kind of like the unconference uh, part of the conference. And then there's a 500 person theater where the main track of the conference will be. Okay. I am curious to hear about that a little bit, like the science fair. That's a new thing this year. So what's, you know, have you had a good response to that? You put a little uh, type form out there a while ago. Have you had a, you know, quite a few people respond to that? Yeah, I think so. Um, we have 36 open spots and that's, those are 10 minute talks and there'll be three for each regular talk. And there will be no science fair talks at all during the opening talk, during my talk and during Jeffrey's talk, since I thought that would be sort of the main times you might not have any attendees in your talk. Um, so but other than that, I think I had 26 responses so far. So there's in theory, 10 open and someone could sign up for those at the conference, you know, if they kind of get there and they see it and they feel more comfortable presenting and they sign up right there, or they may fill up before then. I don't know. Um, but Sean McCool, who actually heads up the Laracon EU conference is going to be in New York and he'll be kind of manning the, uh, science fair track. He'll be in that theater the whole time and helping speakers kind of move along and stay on schedule and stuff like that. That'd be excellent. It's been uh, Sean McCool hasn't been able to attend the last couple of years. I don't believe, uh, I remember seeing him last time I saw him was when we were in New York city, actually. Yeah. I think that was the last one he was at. Um, I know that last year as well, we had a really excellent kind of after party after that first night. That was, that was really, really fun. Um, do we have anything planned like that for this year? Yeah. So I think it's actually going to be even a little better this year. Um, so the first night after party will start at around five or five thirty, whenever my talk wraps up and I, we really don't have a time limit on the venue the first night, so we can stay for a while, but the first hour will be sort of a host bar like usual where people can get a drink. And then there's also this year going to be some snacks and food, which we didn't have last year. Um, and then Bo Simonson, who, you know, is a PHP developer and, and dabbles in the Laravel world. Some is going to be DJing live at the party, uh, because he, he actually is a actual DJ that does like really cool mixes and stuff. So he's going to be bringing his DJ setup and DJing live at the venue. And, uh, so it's going to be a fun time. I think Adam, maybe you could throw a couple guitar solos in there or, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I got enough time to get, get my chops back between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm also curious just to know, I know there was kind of a lot of uh, people in your ear, maybe about destinations for this year, like where Laracon was going to be. I know some people had asked about like maybe West Coast or whatever. Uh, I had two questions. Number one, is there any possibility of a West Coast Laracon in the future? And then number two, what were the deciding factors that kind of pushed you towards New York City? Yeah, so the two kind of, two finalist cities actually there were three cities that were really close to having a conference this year one was san diego one was san francisco and then of course new york uh with san diego it's just like didn't feel like i could find the right size venue that was kind of the style that i liked where it was kind of like a theater seating and had good av capabilities and stuff like that like there was a really sweet venue in san diego but it only held 300 people which it was my favorite venue but it just wasn't big enough and then in San Francisco, um, 
there was also a pretty cool venue, but they just kind of flaked out and like responding to me, which happens a lot actually when you're trying to put on an event. A, a big challenge is just getting people to respond to you and talk to you and be interested in you. I think especially in bigger cities where they probably have tons of business and you know they're not really struggling for people that are interested to use their venue. Um, so you kind of get lost in the mix sometimes. And then with New York, it was more just a strategic decision where it's the most densely populated area in the country. When you take into account like Boston and Philadelphia and all that, you know, you're talking about a significant actually percentage of the U S population in a very small land area. So it sort of made the most sense that way. And that kind of panned out in the ticket sales where they sold really quickly this year. I think it was basically entirely sold out in maybe five or six weeks. Whereas, um, last year we actually didn't sell out at all. We had, I think about 50 tickets left, which it was a slightly bigger theater, but this year it sold out really quickly. And I think we have a thousand people on the waiting list. So it was a very popular destination. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Actually. Uh, I was thinking that probably had to do something with ticket sales, right? The fact that literally you have a huge, huge waiting list. And I see every mm-hmm. once in a while you put out on Twitter, like, hey, we've got three tickets available, ready, go. And they're probably yeah. gone in like seconds, right? Yeah. Usually I'll get like, I'll get three or four cancellations and I'll let them kind of build up until I have, you know, three or four or five of them to release at once. Um, especially with people buying tickets so early this year, I feel like some people bought them in such like a rush that they didn't even think about if they would be able to go. They were just getting them, securing them. And then if I go, great. And if not, I'll just get a refund or try to sell it or whatever. So I actually had to process probably about 35 cancellations. And of course we sold all those tickets back out, but it was a lot higher than previous years, I think, because people were in such a rush to secure them early. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And and why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to come along this year? I mean, we've got Laravel 5.5 coming up. We've got uh, Horizon, which you've slowly started to ramp up the teasing on. I guess we'll open it up to not only yourself, uh, but but the other folks as well. What are some of your, or what is the number one favorite feature coming out in 5.5? Hmm. Well, I've used a couple of features, like I'm working on a pretty big project, um, something beyond Horizon even um, now. And some of the main features I've found that I've been using on 5.5 are job chaining, um, which lets you specify a job that's going to run after whatever job you queued or whatever. So you can kind of specify a line of jobs that you want to run sequentially. And if any of them fail, it will, you know, stop running that chain. The other things I've used a lot are Adam's uh, new validation rule feature that he sort of quasi contributed over Telegram. Um, and, and not, not through an actual pull request, but we actually did kind of pair program that together. Um, which is where you can, uh, define a custom validation rule class. And it's a really simple class that just has like two methods, like passes and message. And it just sort of lets you encapsulate some, some complicated logic. Like for example, and one thing I was doing, I needed to, needed to validate that a GitHub repository was actually a valid repository. So of course that involves like an API call and stuff. And so wrapping it up in a little, you know, valid repository rule class really made it a lot more readable and gave me a place to sort of tuck that API call to GitHub. Uh, there's a lot of little stuff, really, I feel like, um, that sort of adds up. There's new routing methods for routing to views and redirects. I don't know. Adam's been using 5.5 some. He may have some ideas. Oh, the new testing database stuff, I think, which is another quasi-Adam feature <laughs> uh, contributed over uh, Telegram. But where you, when you run your test, we used to have two options where like it would run all your migrations up and down for every test, I guess, or it would start a transaction for every test. And 
neither of them were sort of ideal whereas where like the migration one is sort of slow and the transaction one if you've added a column since the last time you ran your test um, and your testing database is not going to be up to date when you run your test so you're just immediately going to get an error so adam had kind of devised this best of both worlds thing where when you run your test it will migrate your database sort of once and then from then on it will use transactions so it tries to be like the most ideal way of doing it while never forcing you to think about is your database up to date or anything like that it's just sort of always up to date and i'm going to demo some of that stuff at laricon so you can actually see it in action and see what i mean and i've got a whole list of other features i want to show at laricon too in addition to horizon very cool yeah that's cool i didn't know about that so is it a third trait that you would import in 5.5 it's the only trait that's in there by default Oh, okay. So you no longer have database migrations and database transactions. They exist. Uh, they exist. So like your code won't break if you update, but by default now, the the default trait is just, it's called refresh database. Okay. I think that's cool. Yeah. Cause I think that can confuse people. They, they create like a, a test using one of the generators and they immediately see those two different traits and they think like, well, how do I know which one to do? And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's cool. You've consolidated that. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of little stuff that is that's pretty cool. Like even the um the custom blade if oh, directives. Yeah, that's a little so one. Good. I thought Crazy. that was cool and kind of funny. Like I I mentioned to y'all, I think, already, but the guy that submitted that um said they were kind of ashamed to send it because it was such a small PR. But when I saw it, I was like, Oh man, this is so <laughs> sick. Like I can't believe we didn't even have it before. Yeah. It is funny. It's always the small ones that get people the most excited. Like even I think collection dumping is pretty cool mm. uh, when you're debugging. It's such a small thing, but uh, it ends up being really useful when you got some kind of weird, tricky pipeline that you're trying to figure out. You can just dump. Yeah. Chris Fidel's trusted proxy uh, package is actually integrated into Laravel in 5.5, which is kind of nice if you've ever used a load balancer or anything where your load balancer has your SSL termination and it's passing traffic onto your web server and it's not generating HTTPS links. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, because you need that trusted proxy package. We always kind of recommended that package whenever someone had that question, which it comes up quite a bit actually. And so now it's so like standard um, that it's just sort of integrated out of the box. Yeah, I think that's, so that package is just pulled into the framework in 5.5, right? Yeah, it's just in the composer.json. Yeah. One set of changes that I've liked between, I think, 5.3, 5.4, and 5.5 is that um, I've noticed that a lot of, there's a lot of ways to do a thing where we've been introducing new ways to do the thing. Um, so for example, the blade if thing, that's not introducing something you couldn't do before, it's introducing a new way to do a thing that you could always do. And there's been a whole bunch of those. I mean, like the same thing with the custom validation. It's validation as a class or whatever else. And so I feel like I wish I had a full list of them, but I've noticed that between the last few, um, the last few, and FiFi adds, adds a couple, there's quite a few places, like for example, the console, um, console closures and stuff like that, console command closures. There's just more and more ways to do things. And I, I know some people don't like that because they say, well, now I don't know which ones to do. Um, for me, I think it depends on the project. It depends on how many people are working on it. it depends on the specific thing that I'm building. Um, and so having more options is something I like a lot. And, and 5.5 definitely continues that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Adam, Taylor said you've been spending a bit of time with 5.5. What are some of your favorite features? I'm actually... Almost every new feature in 5.5 is something that I think I'm going to use a lot, actually. Like the custom validation rule stuff, I'm really excited about, of course, since I kind of needed that and <laughs> ended up putting it together. But that's that's one of those features, I think, where uh, once you start using it, you start realizing, like, wow, um, 
what the hell did I do before? How did <laughs> yeah. I build applications without this? Um, and another one I'm excited about actually is like uh, request validate. That's like a macro yeah. that I always built into all my apps because I hated having to do this validate then pass in the request every single time. Uh, or even like being able to render emails in the browser, like that makes it so much easier to work on building out your email templates. Uh, just sort of lots of convenient stuff like the migrate fresh command. Um, mm. That's something that has bit me tons of times in the past where you try to run refresh, but because you've changed a migration, like the down doesn't work properly. So you have to go into SQL Pro and blow it out manually. Yeah. So I just use that by default all the time now. Uh, there's, there's some other mm -hmm. cool stuff that's like barely even uh like that's not really i don't know what the right word for it is but people don't really know about it like not really announced as features mm -hmm. but cool little things in there like there's this like responsible interface yeah oh yeah uh, i saw that pr which which is pretty cool so you can take like you can just return anything that implements responsible from a controller now and define the logic for how that should be turned into an http response in that class uh, i like it a lot because it looks like a typo <laughs> yeah. Even when you say it. Um, but yeah, no, there's lots of uh, really cool stuff. I, I was working on my app in 5.4, and I'm always, you know, chatting with Taylor on Telegram and passing around different ideas for things that we can improve. And uh, I was finding myself like really feeling the pain of not having some of the new features. Once I like knew about them, it was like, oh, yeah. I just want to use that yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, so, so I updated to uh, Dev Master, and I'm just surfing the wave now and uh, <laughs> seeing how it goes it's not in production or anything yeah. so it's all good but uh it's yeah it's fun to be getting all the the latest stuff and getting to play with it before it's really out there yeah helps us polish everything mm -hmm. too by having you know taylor's using 5.5 on real app i'm trying to use it on a real app you start running into things mm -hmm. and that you don't necessarily run into when it's just living in github waiting for yeah. A release where someone yeah. finally tries it and then the first day you have right. to release three patch yeah. releases yeah. to fix yeah. the releases yeah. to yeah. things it makes me a lot more comfortable you know releasing it because i i know that it's not fundamentally broken because right. i've been building like really complicated <laughs> app on it so i feel like it's it's pretty solid yeah it is scary like if i've if i have a release which i think five point i guess 5.4 would be sort of like this uh where i wasn't actually using it on one of my own projects where 5.3 i had just built spark all the way through with 5.3 mm -hmm. so i knew like it felt really solid and then 5.4 i didn't really have that so it's a lot less comfortable and now 5.5 i'm really glad that i have a, a serious app on it yeah it's good to have that feedback and so yourself and adam do you find that you have anyone else that's actually using i guess the dev master releases are any of your any of the laravel partners or sponsors using it and providing that feedback i know that you've got um, through the Patreon, the ability for those people to like feedback and, and have weekly chats with you. Is that something that, that those sessions take into account as well? I feel like most people building Laravel apps don't have the luxury of building stuff that basically doesn't matter at all because no one's using it except yourself yeah. yet. <laughs> um, so I don't know of many other people that are build, like really giving it a real work yeah, sure. through. Yeah, it, at Titan, traditionally, we've I've kind of just spent some time on my own making a whole bunch of either fake apps or remaking a side app or that kind of stuff for the sake of giving this feedback, but we're never going to use it on actually once we have, um, there was just a whole round of features and there was also, I think a PHP requirement, a few other things. Um, and so, and we spent, I mean, months, it was one of those ones where it was more than six months that we were waiting on a release and we did, and, uh, we had a, you know, 
very, very close conversation with Taylor as, as the rollout process happens and a lot of little like, oh, let's update this, yeah. oh, let's update this. Um, but other than that one project, we don't really run anything in prod uh, until it gets released for clients at least. Yeah, it's been painful for me. It's been painful for me to Adam, like I can identify with you having to do the Laravel News podcast. We are, you know, pretty much up to date on all the features that are coming out in 5.5. So I'll uh, be working on a project being like, oh yeah, there's that one thing. And then I go look and it's like, ah, oh, dang it, it's 5.5. So it's like, <laughs> it's painful. It's hard yeah. to wait. Yeah. But one nice thing about 5.5 is it, it, it never really, any of the releases actually, it never really feels fragile. So like if you wanted to use 5.5 now, like you're, you're basically good, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously tons of issues get, get filed, but really when you're working on a project, it, it's fine, you know? You're, you're good to go. It's the easiest update I've ever done. I literally just changed it to Laravel 5.5 in my composer.json, added the auto discovery script that you have to add there to get that stuff working, yeah. and ran composer update, and my tests were still green. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, uh, really? That's it? Yeah. There's no. I think there's some things that like, you might want to change to take advantage of some of the new stuff, but. Um, I didn't have anything like any, I didn't get bit by any breaking changes personally. Yeah. I feel like the ones where it's been hardest to do that kind of upgrade where it's like, well, we moved where the routes folder yeah. is seven times. Yeah, you right. know? So like there, there still should be a caution out there about trying this, but I, I totally agree, especially in five, five. And most of the time it's not as if it's super fragile. You just are, it's beta. So you're, you're buying into something that nobody's making any promises not yeah. to change until the day right. it releases. I remember the, the switch from Laravel three to four was a pretty big one. And a lot of people were using the alpha of Laravel 4. And uh, if any of you remember, that changed quite a bit. Mm. So yeah, uh, that could get a little frustrating. But it's like, look, you know this going in. You know, you're using alpha software. So that's what you get. I wanted to hit two things real quickly. Uh, Taylor had a question for you about these change jobs. This is something that I had remembered seeing a pull request on. So I went back and started looking at it, actually. My question is like, so the payload that you're sending your first job, is that the payload that gets sent to all the subsequent jobs? No, each job is sort of instantiated separately. So what it looks like is you say like your first job dispatch and pass it whatever you want. And then you chain on the chain method to that, which takes an array of actual job instances that you knew up. So you're passing them their payload, you know, when you pat do everything so no they don't all have the same um, payload by default so like if you do like a serializes model though so like mm -hmm. um let's say that your first job is going to affect something that's going to be in a later chain to job it pulls it just serializes it and pulls it from the database at that point right yeah so you cool. would have a fresh copy at that point right awesome yeah i'm definitely going to use that i have a couple places where i've needed that and have found other ways around it uh for the time being until that's until that's available so yeah cool. yeah we built that oh. for our project at work well at my previous job now and all of that stuff got thrown in the bin when i left so it's handy to know that it's there in the future if i ever need to do that again though yeah and uh taylor last question on this part is um horizon so this ready to go everything you're wrapping everything up it's going to be all set to to go at Laracom. yeah yeah i think it's looking really good actually even in the past few weeks uh muhammad and i have been like really combing through it and making sure it looks really good and um fi fix some things like i actually took a couple months off horizon like horizon was let's say done in quotation marks like back in like april or something like that and because i wanted to work on this other thing too that i was sort of like i started on horizon really early because i didn't want to be time crunch coming into laricon and so I had actually taken a couple months off Horizon, was working on this other project uh, for a while, and came back to Horizon maybe like a couple weeks ago for the first time in, in 
maybe seven or eight weeks. And like immediately some stuff jumped out at me as like, oh, well, this is stupid. Like it would never, I would never want it to work this way. And you know, which kind of scared me at first because I was like, wait a second, I've been away from it. Maybe I'm forgetting. But then I stuck with it for a few days and actually did having a fresh set of eyes on it after a while, I saw some things that were just sort of not exactly right. And it really sort of brought it together and polished it up here in the last few weeks that I'm actually really excited about it and excited to show it. Um, I think people are going to like it. Are we going to see some more teasers from you on Twitter in the next week, or are we just going to have to uh, wait with bated uh, breath? I don't know. I don't know how much more I can tease really, <laughs> you know, soon it will all be, it will all be there for you to for you to see. Yeah, hey, I wait. I mean, we all know it's a, it's the 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 data mapper for. Like, right. so, yeah. I mean, just spill yeah. the beans already. Just drop oh, it in. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Just drop it in. Just drop it in. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's actually it's actually a Ruby port. It's a Ruby port. You just you can just drop it in. It's no big I deal. actually saw someone did guess that I had written an entirely new language. I was like, and y'all are you greatly overestimate my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right there's like a, a laravelhorizon.com yeah. and if you view the source it's like laravel the language for artists yeah <laughs> not the framework the new language no. i love it uh it's just a matter of time it is it is so uh jeff and matt we'll i think we'll turn the conversation to you both now um we missed hearing both of you speak last year uh we missed matt in entirety last year tell us a bit about how life has been Jeffrey for you as a as a new dad and uh, Matt for yourself as a, a second time father and by all accounts someone who hasn't slept for about 12 months <laughs> uh, poor Matt. yeah it's, it's crazy uh, I, I was I was actually really nervous uh, I've talked I, I did a, a podcast where I talked about this quite a bit but just leading up to um to my child's birth it was like really freaking me out and I feel like it's this one thing that really transitions you from like childhood to being an actual adult. Because, mm-hmm. like, even when you're in your 20s, if you don't have kids, you can you can go to Waffle House at three in the morning and do <laughs> yeah. whatever you want, you know. But like, once you have a kid, that stops. Like, you don't go to a movie theater if you want. You don't go to uh, dinner at midnight if you want. Like, all of that stops, and then you actually have to be a responsible person. Uh, and man, it's it's hard too. And I, I was really worried how it was going to affect my job. Uh, cause like, I, I didn't know Taylor was telling me like, they're going to sleep all the time. But then I would talk to other people who would say like, nope, they're not going to sleep at all. And I think as it turns out, it's just like, it's, it's like rolling the dice. You have no idea what you're going to get. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it stressed me out like crazy. <laughs> uh, it turned out, I think our baby was not as hard as Matt's, um, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have any Matt to compare it to. So. <laughs> I want to hear from Matt what it was like. <laughs> Matt, tell me what it's like going from one kid to two. Is it twice as hard? It's in some ways it's not as hard. In some ways it's twice as hard. I think that the the shift that's not there is that it's that shift you talked about. I'm going from you know being dad to being a dad. Um, so those kind of life changing shifts of not having control over Waffle House and movies. It I've not only <laughs> is it been there, but the worst parts of it, the hardest parts, at least in, in my world, are within the, the first probably 18 months with sleep with the kids. And I've been through a kid who sleeps terribly. I think a lot of people, you're you're right, it's a totally a roll of, of the die. And so a lot of people have their first kid sleeps great and their second kid sleeps terrible. Both my kids sleep terrible. And so this one, when this time around, rather than being so overwhelmed like last time, where I was just like, this is never going to end. This is torture. Now I'm like, this is torture, but it's going to end. Um, and, you know, so I think that for us, uh, it's in some ways, it's a lot easier um, this time around. And the, I think the thing that's harder for us 
is that in the last time one person takes care of the kid and the other person, you know, maybe is a little bit more of a, like a individual human. Um, and with two, it's like one person takes care of the baby and the other one's taking care of the other kid. And, and I know that once you have three, all of a sudden you're losing the numbers game. Uh, so I can't even imagine what that transition is like, but I mean, I, I, I want to caveat to everybody. I mean, like my kids sleep terrible. And so everything I say about the last year of my life is because of the way my kids are not all kids are like that. So that's, I mean, that's a huge, important thing to note. And, uh, just quickly on that, Adam, you're expecting your first one later this year. How how are you feeling hearing all of these conversations about maybe children that don't sleep and maybe children in the two? I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't really registered with me as being like a real thing that's going to happen yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know it is, but at the same time, I don't know that it is. Right. Uh, but it's it's pretty terrifying. I don't really have any idea what to expect. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's we'll October, November that, that your child uh, is September. Due? September. Se- September 10th. That's right. soon, man. Mm-hmm, man. Go to Waffle House while you can. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Having gone through this four times now, it, uh, Adam, I can say it's literally that way every time for me. Every time it's like, oh, that's not, I mean, that's, that's a thing that's happening at some point, but it's never mm-hmm. real until the baby's like crying in the room and you're like, oh my yeah. God, I have a child, <laughs> another one, you know, or whatever. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. It's exciting though, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it was weird for me because my wife gave birth at like a 11 PM and it, it, it all happened so fast. So it's like, we, we got done. They brought us back to the room. It's pitch black. The, um, the, the nurses just drop off the baby and leave. And then my wife was so exhausted. She literally passed mm-hmm. out. Like, so I'm sitting there in this dark room with this baby by myself yeah. in the dark. Like it, it was, it's very, very overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like the best thing that'll ever happen yeah. to you, but it's incredibly overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you're in for a treat, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeffrey, I wanted to ask a little bit. You had mentioned just before we started that, uh, you guys recently moved. I guess I didn't I, I didn't know that that was happening or hear that that was happening at, at any point really uh, before you guys decided to do that. But uh, I'm curious, like what kind of went into that where you, you guys were in Tennessee, right? Are you still in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. I, I've lived in Tennessee for a long time. So a lot of it was just kind of wanting a change. Uh, and, and then some of it was just the fact that it turns out that um, running a small business in Tennessee is like really bad tax wise. And so my accountant basically said, like, look, if you consider some of these other states, you're going to save a significant amount of money. So it got to the point where it was like flushing money down the toilet uh, every year that we stayed in Tennessee. Wow. So it turns out Florida is really good for that. And um, I think I'm an hour or two south of Yeah, pretty close. Is that right? How far am I from I'm gonna call it Just I'm under two hours, Park. yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, not too far. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, but nothing, nothing too crazy. We're, we're trying to get moved in. It's amazing. Like every other home I've lived in, we get moved in really quick. But now, once again, that we have the baby, it's like, you just don't have time. Yep. Like, you can you can put them in, in their little playpen for an hour, but at some point, they're done. And it's like, trying to do everything with one hand. Like, that that's what having a baby is like, is doing every single thing with one hand. And it becomes very, very difficult. But uh, we're, getting my main, we're getting there. My main theory about why Jeffrey moved is... He was always seeing me post these pictures of like Arkansas and stuff. And he was so jealous of like not living in a cool state that he, he just felt so compelled to move somewhere nicer because he was so sick of me living here in Arkansas and just right. constantly rubbing in his face. Right. You guys got to move down here. You're next. Yeah, come on. We need to get like the whole layer of elevation. Yeah. yeah. But you just moved, Taylor. You can't move again. I'm staying in this house till I die, basically. <laughs> <laughs> 
um i i actually had a question too for matt and jeffrey i know both of you guys have kind of taken like mini hiatuses from i mean obviously jeffrey and matt you guys own businesses so it's not like you can totally step away but matt specifically kind of from twitter and from some of the podcasting things and i guess i'm sort of considering doing something like that myself right now and we've got four kids now and i've got the newest one is is like six weeks old so uh, i've just been curious like one of the fears has been like you know it's going to affect my career negatively. Have you found that to be the case at all or stepping away and then coming back in a couple months to, you know, is everything pretty much the same, you know, has it, has it hurt you guys at all or, or what's been your experience with that? Um, from my perspective, I think I, it was like a perfect storm. It was both the baby and then also writing my book. And so in writing my book, I spent a lot of time writing things that I might've otherwise put in the blog. And so between the, that and then my wife being pregnant, I didn't travel much. Uh, a lot of good things happened when I, you know, either travel to see clients and then also when I speak at conferences and then I wasn't on Twitter as much. And then when the baby came in, in a combination of wanting to spend time with her family. And then also just because, I mean, a lot of nights we get three or four hours of sleep and over, over the span of, I mean, it's, she's almost a year old now. So over a span of a year that really kind of weighs on you. So it's just like, you start having to trim down things, you know, like I haven't been in the gym since she was born. I'm trying to work on bringing that back. And so the decision to do it was pretty easy. I mean, it's just, you know, like I have, I have something's got to drop what's going to drop you know and so you know being super out, outgoing and social and teaching and stuff like that is something that I really love and I get a lot of life from but there's only so many things I can do outside of you know basically work and take care of my family so the decision to to make that shift was while I, I have incredible amounts of you know FOMO and fear of missing out and and feeling like I'm not as connected to things and missing the opportunity to kind of like be on the forefront of every new feature every moment I I think that I have I, I clearly made the right decision. My family is more important than anything else. Um, I can't say that there has been zero impact um, because I've missed out on the opportunity to kind of be discovering new features every day as they happen. You know, whereas right now it's more like I'm listening to other people's reporting on them um, and I'll get back to that place. But there's been a solid year of me not kind of be in that place. And and so, yeah, I mean, the first reason the, the, the first time I was I was well known in the Laravel community is because I spent every time I learned something, I'd write a blog post on it. And so that was, that was my original place of being known. And then second after that was giving conference talks. And third after that was a podcast. So having dropped all those three, well, yeah, sure. If, if you, if you look at my career as being closely tied to being kind of known, um, there's certainly got to be some sort of impact there. But I think that while of course it's great to be putting out information and having your presence known and teaching people, um, I think the fear of like, oh God, I'm going to lose my career if I don't do those things is something that we can't like make our decisions based off of. Like I, I'm sure that if I had spent the last year tweeting five times a week and writing two blog posts a week and speaking at every conference I got and podcasting two or three times a week, that it probably would have had a more significantly positive impact on the future of my career and reputation, blah, 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 than what I did. But I still think I made the right decision. So uh, did it have a negative impact? Probably. Do I care? No. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that my life is slowly getting to the point where I'm going to be back because uh, I like it. I get a lot of life from teaching people and sharing with people and stuff like that. But in terms of your fears of your career, I think that it's good to be aware of the positive impact that can come for you and your career and your reputation from being a public teacher. But there's like a very thin line of going from being aware of those things to like being fixated on them or obsessed with them or worried about what happens if you don't put out enough tweets or enough blog posts or whatever else. And I would just as a as a person who loves uh, affirmation, who loves kind of hearing good things and loves people being thankful for what I do, whatever else, I would just warn anybody else: uh, don't don't let that kind of drive what you do. Um, so for you, Jacob, in response to your question, do it. I mean, I you and I have talked about family enough. Like 
don't worry about it. You're going to be good. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's good advice. I, I wouldn't say I've stepped away. I mean, I was just in a huge Twitter battle like a month ago. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, actually, I will tell you what I have done is um, it is something I worry about a lot is just the general addiction element to social media, which um, really grosses me out because I feel it affecting me and I see it affect. Like when you think about it, like every time you you prepare a tweet, it's kind of like this vanity thing a little bit, like you're putting it out and you're 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 just waiting to see for those likes to come oh, yeah. in or you're waiting to see for the, re the retweets to come in. Hmm. And like it affects us all. But when you think about it, it's kind of gross. It's it's this vanity thing that we that we all have. So one thing I've done, I deleted the Twitter app. Or I've basically deleted all social media apps from uh, my phone. Now, that doesn't mean I don't check them, but I actually have to go to Twitter.com on my phone if I want to read it. And I, I found that actually helps. Just the, just the idea of like at all times holding up your phone and you see Twitter and there's 12 notifications and Facebook. 12. It's like it's, it's this weird addiction where you have to see it. And then you keep creating new posts and then new responses come in and it's this chain reaction where all of a sudden you're sitting on the couch, you know, with your spouse and you're both just looking at your dang phones and it's mm. like, what's, what's, what's going on here? So it's something that really concerns me. And then I also, I, I once heard this guy talk about how, because we, we are obsessed with, with feedback and when we need all of these forms of stimulation, we've lost the ability to just sit and think. And sometimes when you do that, like so that, that's the, a huge benefit that allows you to just process things and consider things. And when you're always looking at a phone or looking at an update or watching TV, or usually you're doing three things at once, it's like you, you lose that ability to just focus on one thing at a time. Uh, so that's something I think about a lot. So um, I'm not very good at it, but I, I'm trying to get a lot better. To piggyback off of that yeah. just a little bit, um, there's a rapper who I love named Lecrae. And um, he every single time he releases an album, um, you start noticing that he's out of the country for a couple of weeks every time. And I think the last time he released an album, he was in Africa for a few weeks. And I know that there's probably several motivations, but one of them is for him to be away from this just kind of like obsessive feedback cycle of looking at how people are tweeting about it and seeing what the news are saying about it. And so he just gets away. He doesn't listen to the news. He doesn't follow the social media. He just kind of like disappears for a while and lets it go no. out there. And I think it's valuable for him um, to not obsess over those things. But I think also, and I talk a lot about this, about this with folks who are also trying to get into this world of like being like a public info person who teaches people or whatever, like you've got to be careful of your motivations. And, if, and so that's like, yeah, okay. I love teaching people, but at some point I start seeing that if I teach people certain ways, I get that feedback. Like Jeffrey was talking about, I get positive affirmation, whether mm -hmm. it's Twitter followers or likes or whatever else it ends up being. And so like, you've got to be really careful of what your motivations are for things. And that doesn't mean you can't ever do anything that knowing that will benefit you, but just be aware of those things and be honest about them with yourself. And so for me, that the inspiration from Lecrae was how can I start putting things out there when I say the thing is for the good of other people, how can I do things that help me make sure it's for the good of other people. And one of that is not watching for the retweets and the likes and whatever else, put the thing out there and just move on to whatever else you're doing. And so maybe that's only checking. Yeah. Like if you have a metric, if you're obsessed with the activity dashboard and Twitter, well then when you send out a tweet, then close Twitter and then go on with the rest of your day or something like that. Have any of you guys uh, read that deep workbook? Yeah. I read about like, I read about 50% of it and then we moved and I lost it. And I haven't read it yet. Read the rest <laughs> of it yet. There's just a couple things in there that I think are irrelevant vent to what we're talking about that were kind of interesting like um the author talks about i don't remember the exact words he uses but he sort of explains why like you can do a lot more of that really good thinking when you're like out walking the dog or something like that because you have like just enough passive stimulation that like 
it's it's taking up that part of your brain that wants to go and like look at your phone or do some other stupid thing that's just like a distraction from thinking but there's a lot of interesting things in that book i definitely would recommend it to anyone check out the other thing i was going to say is i was at a conference a couple weeks ago and one of the speakers said that his assistant every sunday changes all the passwords to all his social media accounts and doesn't give them back to him until friday (laughs) (laughs) when i get an assistant i'm gonna have her do that That's one way of taking care of that. (laughs) It is something that really concerns me, though. Uh, I don't know how much you guys think about this, but just the the addiction part of like, oh, notification here. You go to Twitter, you read your notification, then you scan a little bit. Oh, there's one on Facebook. And then you kind of go through the cycle. And then suddenly when you're at the end of the cycle, you go and start again because there's a new notification on Twitter. Hmm. Um, So it's something I really worry about. It's sort of embarrassing, but like the way that I find myself trying to deal with that is just by making it impossible. Like it's embarrassing that I don't have the willpower (laughs) to just deal with it. But now if like my wife and I are going to watch a movie, I literally will turn my phone off because then I, if I reach for it and try to look at it, I'll realize, oh, it's off. It's going to take a minute for this to turn back on. And that's like just enough for me to be like, this is stupid. Why am I even picking this up? I should be just focusing on what I'm doing. Uh, Or same with like at night, I keep my phone in a different room now. It's sort of stupid to have to do like these physical things to like get in the way of like breaking these stupid habits. Uh, But I I find it's been helping a little bit. Yeah. At the same time, if it works, then. It's like a losing battle too. I I can't remember what I was watching the other day, but he was talking about how like sites like Facebook are very specifically designed to encourage that addiction element. Like it's, it's not a coincidence that things are laid out in a certain way. They actually bring people on to help. Uh, encourage that addiction element so it's like a losing battle right from the beginning yeah facebook's a little bit easier to to put down simply because of their horrible sorting algorithm i feel that you can never find anything and you never see anything you want to see from the people you want to see anyway so it's easy to stay off of facebook but twitter twitter is a different beast entirely i found i i'm trying to find what the thing is but there's this uh a podcast episode on my brother's podcast, the mildly alarming podcast, I'll try and find it and send you guys a link to it where they talked about how there's this some loop and it's the thing that you get that like makes you happy in your brain. It's dopamine or something. I think it's the dopamine cycle maybe. And there's this kind of this theory in gaming talking about where, when you, um, and I wish I remember all the specifics, but essentially when you trigger a certain thing in response to a certain other thing, it triggers dopamine and it makes them want to go back and do that thing again. And so in gaming, and also in concepts of gamification, it's understanding like what behaviors can give a certain reward, which triggers a dopamine thing. And then you get that dopamine cycle and going and, and in gaming. That means it's a it's a game that people want to go back and play again. But in gamification and thing and also and, and just like you said, that the way they do notifications, the way they sort Instagram and Facebook feeds, all those things, it's all about those dopamine cycles or unread counters. It's all about trying to understand and manipulate um, the the things, the actual chemicals in our brain that get re- released in spo- response to these things. And so they're, we are being actively and intentionally manipulated That's with crazy. understandings of brain chemicals, which is which is terrifying. And it's also why it, it seems like a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, why are you making such a big deal of it? You know, but it essentially is like an addiction. Like, and so to be, you know, would you go to any length to break an addiction, you know, a chemical dependency? Sure. So <laughs> yeah. can I put my phone in the other room? Yeah, I think so. All right. So We've been running these as uh, sessions with uh, Laracon speakers over the last couple of months, these podcasts. So we'll probably swing back to that now. want to talk Jeffrey and Matt, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you both missed out on speaking last year. So we are thrilled to have you back and both speaking this year. Did you want to give us a little high level overview of, of what you're going to be speaking about this year? And we'll, and we'll ask Adam the same question as well. Sure. Uh, I'll go first. 
well, the, the original idea I had, I actually talked about this on stage, but the original idea I had was um, uh, this, this talk called All the Stupid, uh, pardon my French, but All the, stu- all the Stupid <laughs> Shit I've Done. And it was just going to be this in-depth analysis of all the terrible decisions I've made full of real examples from like 10 years ago. Uh, and I thought it would be really fun just to, to make fun of myself. Um, and it's pretty educational, too. Uh, but I chickened out. So instead, <laughs> God, you know what? I can't even think of what my main talk title is. Slay the Beast. It's called Slay the Beast. It, it's going to be lots of real practical advice on just considerations uh, for your code base. Just little things like, did you consider that maybe if you did this, you could extract this, blah, 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 blah. So it, it'll have nine different items. I'm not going to say which ones they are, but nine different suggestions to to clean up a God object or to clean up your views and... um I'm hoping it'll be nice and, and really um, good practical advice. I don't know. Like, w- when you go to a conference, one thing I was surprised to find is that m- it's you're not learning that much. Like, I thought my first conference, I thought, oh, I'm really going to level up. And it's not really like that. It's more like to meet people and uh, to get inspired. So many of the talks at a conference, like, they, there's no code at all. They're more just like ideas. Mm. But uh, I, I notice whenever I do watch a talk where it's pretty code heavy, whether it's live coding or you're seeing actual code examples, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, so, so that's what I'm aiming for this time around. So we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have long form on uh, on visual debt as one of those nights. Visual, I would <laughs> love to talk about visual debt. I wish I hadn't gone with visual. We will debt. all appreciate. While we're it. talking about that, I yeah. wish I had gone with visual mm, noise yeah. or just noise. Like if I had just named mm. that video noise, like beware of noise. I don't think it would have so gotten funny. the Just response. the semantics. I mean, literally, uh, <laughs> you use the word debt, and it just becomes like this problem, you know? Yeah, noise totally makes sense, too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still stand beside it. I think I think it is a form of debt. Uh, the idea of, like, every little, little piece of complexity you add, I, I do think adds a, a piece of debt. And that's why, like, if you look at a, a Java code base, and then you, you review, like, a, a Ruby class somebody made, it's, like, night and day. And it does show you, like, even if they do the exact same thing, the Ruby version is just so much easier to take in because there's not just so much junk everywhere yeah. that you have to process every time you open the file. So I, I do stand by the idea that it's death, but uh, in hindsight, I should have totally. just called it noise. I feel like the whole thing was taken out of context, really, simply because that video, that three-minute video in isolation with none of the other things that you teach through Laracast, sure, it can seem inflammatory, maybe, to again, to anyone who's from outside the community, but to people who follow along and actually understand the context of that video, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was perfectly acceptable. And it was not, don't do this. It's like, think about if you do need it. So Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that so many people, I think, who don't know me, uh, it helped their argument to interpret the video as me saying, adding an interface is evil. And it's like, no, do, do whatever you want. But isn't it funny, though, that the mere suggestion that maybe you don't have to add a return type, you know, some, something that nobody even knew existed a few years ago, that no, like, I would, I would love to know what percentage of PHP code bases actually use return types. I bet it's overwhelmingly low. But just the suggestion to, to certain people that you may not need to use return types uh, if the project doesn't warrant it, that was so inflammatory to them. Uh, and I think, I think yeah. it says so much. Uh, about the PHP community, and and not in a good way. Again, mm. not the PHP community. It says so much about like a hundred people who are very active on Twitter. Yeah. The the PHP community, you mm-hmm. know, as we've talked about before, is is the Drupal community and WordPress, and it's this very massive right. thing. Yet so often we get fixated on the forty people who who get us mad. 
Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the PHP community, oh, like, trademark. You know what I mean? It's like when McDonald's had the 100% beef. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's their brand is the PHP yeah. community. <laughs> TM, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Matt, tell us a little about yours. Um, my talk is entitled Custom Laravel, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because then it would kind of ruin the fun. Um, but there's two primary kind of concepts there. One of them is that um, every time you spin up a new Laravel code base, you are going to do some measure of customization. And and in some ways, you can kind of really look at every app as just customization of Laravel. Every Laravel app is really just taking the Laravel base and then customizing it until it does what you want. Um, But there's a couple different ways to think about it. There's different ways of customizing, some of which are going to be really valuable for onboarding new users or new developers later, um, or for upgrading to future versions, or for taking advantage of features that might not exist yet, or you might not know about. And there's some ways of, you know, customizing it, quote unquote, that um, that will potentially be really damaging, that hide logic and make it really difficult to discover where it's um, settled or whatever. So I think that the, the twofold is one of them is what is my um, what are the types of customization and the attitude and the metrics to use or the, the uh, guidelines to use, I guess, for which customizations are really going to provide you the most value in the long term. And then I think the second one is going to be a series of um, very practical kind of code based uh, customizations that I think folks might not all be familiar with. Um, so I, it's and it's going to be everything from very, very beginner level to some uh, pretty significantly advanced stuff. Um, so it's kind of part theory and then part code. Very good. Well, we are. I'm sure we are all looking forward to having you both back and speaking this year. Adam, how about you, man? What do you got lined up for us? Uh, I don't have a, a title for it yet. I have the the tentative title is resisting complexity, but that's not spicy enough, I don't <laughs> think. So I'll need to come up with something better. <laughs> uh, but the general resisting debt. <laughs> uh, the general idea is basically, I, I have a you know a dozen examples of uh, interesting solutions you could use that are maybe a little unconventional based on some of the more superstitious design decisions that I see people uh, make in their code bases or just like little tips and tricks, things that I thought really changed the way that I thought about uh, how I built apps with Laravel. So just going to try and walk through a bunch of uh, interesting, really practical uh, examples um, with real code of things that you could do to solve a problem in a simpler way. So, uh, you know, an example might be like, well, some people find their controllers getting really out of control and like the immediate solution in their head is like, well, I'm supposed to use a command bus to solve this problem. So I want to show like, well, maybe there's another way that you could solve this problem instead that you haven't thought about uh, that doesn't take you down that sort of like complexity path. Uh, So that's kind of the overall um, message. And I'm going to hopefully introduce people to some uh, ideas or, or, you know, strategies that they haven't tried before that might make them uh, rethink how they solve certain problems. So should be pretty fun. And there'll be live coding? I haven't decided if I'm actually going to live code stuff. It's going to be all code. I just can't decide if I want to do it live or if I'm going to have stuff to just show. I prefer to live code it. I just don't know if it's going to make sense. So I'm going to see if I can figure yeah. out a way to to make it kind of interactive and not just like static stuff on the screen at least. Yeah. But, yeah, but we'll see how it, how it turns out when I start running through it. You could always pull a uh, Ryan Singer yeah. scope there with like an iPad Pro and start drawing stuff and no slides. That's it. <laughs> that was... Little I'd be legend. tempted to go up there and do it just in Sublime. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever watched any like uh, Ben Orenstein's talks, but he has talks that literally are just an editor in Vim and he just the title of the talk is like at the top of the editor 
And as he scrolls, the title goes away, and now there's code, and he's just scrolling through this big file. It's like Taylor does talks <laughs> like this too, actually, where he's just got a giant routes file, yeah. and the whole talk is just scrolling through the routes file, and that's the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so I was going to ask Taylor if you have kind of a feel for you know what's the balance of going of uh, kind of technical talks versus soft talks this year. Uh, I was trying to look through the list of speakers to see. I was trying to see like Laura Elizabeth is probably going to give like that's a I don't know if it's next. It's not. It's not code. Uh, same with Michelle Hansen and yeah, let's take a look. Let's take a stroll through this list. No, let's see. The only soft talk. Look, I'm looking through this. So, um, Matthias and Michelle Hansen, they're actually presenting together with their husband and wife. They're presenting together and they are talking about launching a sure. six figure side business on Laravel. I think you could say that's sort of a soft talk. And then Justin Jackson, I think is doing marketing for developers and Laura Elizabeth is not co, but I wouldn't call it a soft talk. It's kind of designed for developers. So it's like pretty tactical, it's definitely sort of, you know, in our, in our sphere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, uh, let's, I'll just run through the rest of the speakers, but I don't actually have any idea what Evan's talking about. I assume something Vue.js related. <laughs> um, and then we heard from Matt and Nils, uh, is talking about composer, uh, some more advanced composer stuff. And of course he, he co-created composer and then freak, I think is talking about building their dashboard with Laravel and Vue.js and WebSockets and stuff. Uh, Sean Larkin is talking about webpacks. He's on the webpack core team. That's going to be uh, awesome. Tom is yeah. talking about multi-tenancy in Laravel, which is a pretty hot topic. I get asked about a lot. And then, uh, Jack Medade, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, he's doing, I think he may be more of a soft talk and inspirational talk at the end. And then Maxime from Algolia is talking about some new stuff they've been doing with Algolia and view components and hooking it into your Laravel app and stuff. So that'd be kind of PHP and JavaScript and Algolia all mixed in one. Yeah, we've had a, we've, like I said, we've had uh, a lot of the speakers on already to kind of give a little overview of what they're going to be talking about. And uh, I've yet to talk to any of them and not be super excited about what they're talking about. Uh, the multi-tenancy one from Tom should be really, really good. I'm stoked to hear that. Um, yeah, it should be cool. I also wanted to see, you know, I'm, I've been to New York one time. The only time I went was uh, at Laracon a couple of years ago. But I don't know, you know, if you guys are more familiar uh, with, with New York City or if you had any suggestions for things to do. I know there's like a ton of things, but... Um, if you've been there before, what are a couple of things that people who haven't been to the city should do? Or what are some good tips you guys might have? Mm, I really enjoyed going to the top of the rock at night. That was cool. It's at the top of the NBC building. You can it's just go and look out at the city at night. Oh, nice. I also went to the Tom's restaurant, which is featured in Seinfeld. The exterior, of course, is featured in Seinfeld. Um, and then just I just did the usual stuff, you know, Statue of Liberty, World Trade Center, stuff like that. I don't, I don't know any, <laughs> you know, hot local spots that only New York people know about. We will be out there. I think Michael and I are both going to be out there uh, the weekend before. So if anybody listening to this is interested in hanging out, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We'd be uh, happy to meet up with some folks. Yeah, I think we're there on Wednesday. Yeah, we should be getting in Friday. This so week. It should be fun. I, uh, I've seen on on Twitter, Taylor, you've you've been practicing for this, this ball game that we were talking about having. I'm getting a little bit worried. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm in a basketball league right now, um, just sort of a recreational <laughs> league. I can't say it's going too well. Um, our nice. record is not great. Um, I actually had my best game of the year last game when I had 18 points. But before that, I, I think my best was about 10. But 
in our last game, we got totally hosed by this one guy who I swear must have had like 10 to 15 three-pointers. He was (laughs) dominating us from the perimeter, so... Hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. next week it will turn around and we'll we'll get the W. How the best? I guess this this Tuesday coming up. All right, guys. Well, I think that about wraps up all the questions we had here today. Michael, you got any other questions for the guys? Uh, only, I mean, I know that you're all fairly prominent members of our community, but if you have anything that you would like to spruik or or share with us, anything you want us to get our listeners to look at for you, uh, now is the time to do it. Check out Laravel Forge. Uh, that's my main sort of business. Uh, so if you need PHP servers provisioned, check out forge.laravel.com. And if you need zero downtime deployment, you can check out envoyer.com. So those are those are the two things I would plug. Is it envoyer.com or is it envoyer.com? Oh, oh yeah. boy. Oh, envoyer.io. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I almost lost all of those sales. He didn't even know he was mm. on the website. All of that went down the drain. Right. This guy. Uh, for me, of course, laracast.com. Uh, I also have like lots of other... Uh, domains for that just redirect to series at Laracast because uh, it makes me happy. So things like Laravel from scratch.com and what's new in Laravel.com, but it all just goes to Laracast. Or like, I think <laughs> PHP the best way. Way. <laughs> com. That's <laughs> yours too. I'm going to buy the rights from that for that. PHP <laughs> <laughs> the best way. What is that again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's great. Uh, we're a, uh, sorry, Titan consult. Titan is a con- Laravel consultancy. <laughs> so Titan, T A G H T E N dot C O. We do good Laravel stuff and other stuff. That's all I got. I guess I have a book. You also have a few domains as well. <laughs> a lot of domains. Really say them on yeah, air. I was going to say there's we'll at least the one that tag. is not acceptable on our, uh, to be pronounced podcast. on uh, FCC <laughs> regulations or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but LaravelUpandRunning.com, uh, Titan.co. That's what I got. Um, for me, I, I have my test-driven Laravel course, which so if you're interested in learning how to build an app in Laravel with TDD, you can check that out at testdrivenlaravel.com. Uh, the other thing that I've been doing lately is I'm, I'm working on an app to kind of help me run my business where I sell my, my course and my book and stuff like that and try to move myself off of some of the third party tools that I use. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is I'm trying to build the whole app kind of in public and live streaming it and sending out a weekly update that kind of talks about the things that I did and highlights sort of a tip from each one of the live streams. Uh, in detail with code samples and stuff. So if that's something that you'd be interested in following along with, you can head over to building.kitetail.co and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel uh, to find out when the streams happen and stuff and come hang out there. That's been really fun, something I've been doing for the last few awesome. weeks. Um, Taylor, quick question. So like between Envoyer and Forge, would you say that Forge is still your primary? Is Envoyer, has Envoyer done pretty well? We use Forge and Envoyer for both of them, for everything. But uh, do you have quite a few more subscribers on Forge than on Envoyer? Yeah, Forge does have quite a few more subscribers. I think it just has a wider use case. You know, not everyone cares about zero downtime deployment if they just have a little hobby project. They don't want to spend 10 bucks a month just so they have, you know, can save that one second of downtime or whatever. Uh, so Forge is definitely still the kind of the big dog. My goal, My goal was to have both of them sort of be self-sustaining to where... I could sort of work full time off either one of them, which that at least was successful. Uh, so that if Forge crashes and burns, uh, and and some disaster, that at least I have Envoyer and and can keep working on Laravel and vice versa. You know, if Envoyer crashes and burns, I still have Forge. Um, yeah, so Forge is definitely just the bigger thing. I think just because it appeals to a wider audience. Awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you everyone so much for taking some time out of your Saturday to come and chat with us. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys all at uh, Laracon this year in New York City. Should be lots of fun. For sure. All right. Thanks. Thank you.
Yeah. See you all soon. Awesome. Yeah, thanks Cheers. for having me. See ya. All right. Well, that was the interview uh, with uh, the big dogs in the Laravel community. So thanks again so much for coming on, guys. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this is episode 42. We do not have any news for you this week. Unfortunately, we are already over an hour. So we're going to spare you the news this week. Of course, you can always find the latest news on the Laravel happenings at laravel-news.com. Michael, you're always so good at it. Whenever I give you the opportunity, you want to give us the outro here today? You say you give me the opportunity, but you always put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 42 of the Laravel News podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com forward slash podcast slash 42. Uh, if you could like, rate, and review us five stars in iTunes or your pad- podcatcher of choice, that is always appreciated. And if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us at Laravel News on Twitter or on our personal Twitter accounts. Excellent. And if you have any feedback or questions, you can talk to us at Laracon in New York. Yeah. Coming up quickly here. In about a week. In about a week. So yeah. please feel free to come up and say hello. We would love to talk to you. Uh, I promise we don't bite. We are very friendly people. So come say hi. Michael, you might even have some like red shoes on or something, right? I will have some red shoes and I'm going to try and track down what we call uh, back home business socks. So they'll be like shin high, (laughs) hopefully bright red, but maybe a contrasting white. So come and find me, say hello. Yeah. Um, And if you see anyone sort of standing around on their own, not not talking to anyone, invite them into your circle. Yeah. Um, Make them feel welcome. We're all we're all here to learn to to make new friends. So certainly be there for anyone who's looking a bit uh, a bit on the outside. Yeah, and that's you know that's another thing really about this conference. You'll learn a lot for sure. Uh, but one of the biggest parts of this conference is just getting to know other people in the community. So yeah, if if you're one of those people who doesn't really like to talk to people, try as much as you can to kind of uh, take the leap of faith and start talking to people. We've got a lot of really friendly people who are there. And if you don't know who to start talking to, just look for the guy in the red socks and the red shoes or the really (laughs) tall guy with spiky hair. That'll be me. So uh, looking forward to seeing you all there. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon. See ya. Bye. Yeah, usually we have to deal with this huge lag of like, um, uh, you know, Michael is uh, across the uh, ocean there and there's a little bit of lag time. So we usually have to deal with that. But hopefully it will be a pretty easy uh, edit for you, Michael. Not having to worry about that too much. Hopefully. I bet Google wouldn't have any lag if they used Doctrine or Data Mapper. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording, right? Are we there's recording? the stinger for the episode. Yeah. Yep. Yes. All right. Awesome. I mean, they could just drop it in. Yeah, yeah just drop it in. They should be able to just right. drop it in. You'd think a big company like that <laughs> would have their shit together. If they're following solid, they should just be able to drop it in. They should be able to even swap languages. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't have a piece of art on my wall that says drop it in. <laughs> We've joked about that for so many years. Uh, we're way. coming back with some spice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of the, uh, you know, Happy Gilmore? Like, yeah. tap, tap it in. in. I want to have drop a, drop, a drop, drop gift that's like, just drop just it in. Just drop it in. Give it a little drop, drop, drop a Did you put a secret order in there? I think we need to do one more design. I think so. I think that's a good thing.